If you have a Bible, well, find your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 10 to 21. And uh, so far in the book of Acts, since chapter 9 at least, we've seen Paul who met Jesus on the road to Damascus and who was transformed, who was changed from a man who was persecuting and hunting believers in Jesus Christ to a man who was proclaiming to everyone who would listen and to those who wouldn't listen about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we watched him be transformed into a man who would then just live his life traveling around much of Europe from city to city telling people about the resurrection of Jesus, that the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, that it's in Jesus and in Jesus alone that you can know God and have hope and have peace and have life. And after traveling around on several different missionary journeys, he has returned to Jerusalem. And when he comes back to Jerusalem, he is arrested and he's he's put on trial. He's faced with accusations by the the high priest there. And that's what we saw last week where he faces the high priest. And at the end of that segment, at the end of that that account of, of the high priest accusing Paul, we see Jesus saying again to Paul, take courage. Because just as you have testified about me here in Jerusalem, you're going to testify about me in Rome. He has that amazing, just the words of Jesus. He's met by Jesus again, and here's Jesus' encouragement. And and then after that, the part we're going to skip over before we get to chapter 24, what happens is the Jews then in Jerusalem devise this plan in order to murder Paul. They're working together to try to do everything they can to to get rid of this man, to murder him. And in the providence of God, as Jesus continues to protect him so that he'll end up going to to Rome, uh, Paul's nephew overhears the plan and and reports it to the Roman officials. And the Roman officials are like, okay, well, we're going to send this guy on to somebody else. Let somebody else deal with this guy. And they, and they decide to, to take like 500 soldiers guarding Paul and send him to Caesarea so that he can appear there before the, before the governor of Judea. His name is Felix. And that's where we come to today in chapter 24. As Paul stands before Felix, the high priest Ananias has come to Caesarea as well with his, with his lawyer, in essence, and, and they present their case against Paul to the governor, Felix. And then what we're going to see here, we're going to start in verse 10, where Paul defends himself. He makes his defense against their charges, and then we see Felix's response. As Felix has an opportunity to respond to this news of the living Jesus himself. How will he respond? And that's the question for every single one of us today, this morning. That's actually the question that presents itself to us every single moment of every day. Jesus wants to meet us. He wants us to to see him, to meet him. How will we respond? How will you respond now? So listen to God's word as I read from Acts 24. I'm going to start in verse 10. Again, this is Paul responding to the accusations made against him. We're going to go from verse 10 to verse 27. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, 
that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple, without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation, should they have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council, other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them. It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who is Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us to see you, to meet you here as we look at these words and acts. We pray that your spirit would be working in our hearts to be um, digging up the ground, making it fertile, making it ready to receive what you want to show us here, what you want to teach us. Father, we pray that you would change us right now because that is what each and every one of us needs. We need to be changed. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to listen. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I sat in the back seat of the car staring at the back of my parents' heads at the, the cushions in the back seat and, and I just felt awful. I felt incredibly empty. I was so just distraught and mad at myself. I, I had just missed out on an opportunity for something incredible, something that I was longing for. And it was all my fault. And I know several of you guys have heard me tell this story before. But I'll tell it again. It was back when I was about nine years old and it was the week before my birthday, and, and I, you know, my, my parents, it was, it was a weekend, it was a Saturday, and, 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 and my parents told me that I had to go practice the piano and get it out of the way so we could do some stuff later, and, and I, was, I was annoyed, I was angry. I didn't want to practice the piano right then. I was tired of practicing the piano. I was busy doing other stuff. I wanted to play. 
But, you know, they insisted, and I, I went in there, I stomped in there, you know, I, I played, I was like banging on the keys, you know, for like 20 minutes, just mad that I had to practice. And finally, after 20 minutes or so, my parents were like, all right, Jeff, you can be done. Come on, let's go get in the car. We're going to go somewhere. I'm like, no, I have to practice. You told me I had to practice. And they continue to like, you know, convince me that, that I can be done. And, and so I finally, like, I'm, I've got this attitude, I'm I like, I like march out of the room and, and I march into the, into, the, into the driveway and I get in the back seat and I slam the door and I'm like just bitter and angry and I'm just muttering stuff under my breath and, and they back out of the driveway and they start driving down the road and we're driving for a few minutes but I can't let it go and I continue to complain. I continue to be grumpy and, and mad and annoyed and I'm not sure what I said but, but finally I said something and my dad was like, that's it, we're going home. And he made a K-turn right there in the street turned the car around, and drove back home. And, and as he's driving back, my mom turns around, and she looks hurt, and she looks angry, and she's like, we we're going to take you to get a new dirt bike for your birthday, but we're not going now. And we just drove home in silence. And I was just like, oh, I so wanted a new dirt bike. And it was all my fault, all of my, my selfishness, you know, that, that I'm not getting it. I totally missed out on this opportunity for something that I'd longed for. It was the most uncomfortable, like, one of the most, like from my childhood, this is one of the most distinctive memories of, of feeling awful, like such an uncomfortable drive home just in silence. As we walked back into the house, as I walked back in the door, I just felt completely and totally empty. I had missed out on something I had longed for that would have given me joy and delight, and it was all my fault. As Paul continues to take every opportunity to tell whoever is in front of him about Jesus Christ, he finds himself in front of the, Roman, of the, of the governor of Judea, Felix. And this is no exception. He, he makes his defense to Felix about these, these uh, accusations that, that Ananias has made, made against him, that he's creating riots in Jerusalem. He's gathering a group of people and, and, and stirring up trouble and, and, he's, and he's speaking against the temple and against, and against the, the customs and the laws of the people, the Jewish people. And, and Paul makes his defense. He's like, I was only there for 12 days. How could I have really organized anything major? You know? and, and they found me in the temple purified. I was, I was doing what I was supposed to do and I wasn't causing any trouble at all. But then he, he mentions the fact that, that, he, that he agrees with everything they believe in, you know, the, the law and the prophets, everything that, and, and, and then he mentions this, this idea of the fact that, that he agrees with them about the resurrection of the, the just and the unjust. And then what I noticed is I was, I was reading this, you know, he, he talks about the resurrection, then he continues talking to Felix, and at the, at the very end of what he says, he says again in verse 21, other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it's with respect to the resurrection of the dead. In case you didn't hear me earlier, Felix, a lot of this all has to do with the resurrection. And he repeats himself, talking about the fact that it's, it's because of the resurrection, because he believes that this man, Jesus Christ, has risen from the dead. That's why he's on trial. That's why these guys have brought him to Caesarea, that they're trying to kill him. It's because of the resurrection of this man, Jesus. And I've and I got to think that as he continues to, to repeat himself about the resurrection to Felix, he's kind of baiting Felix a little bit, hoping that Felix might say, well, the resurrection, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, the resurrection? And, and I think Paul is trying to, 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 to look for another opening, another opportunity where he can talk to Felix and share with Felix what his entire life is about. 
The fact that this man, Jesus, has come into the world and has, was, was killed, was crucified, but is now alive. And he's present. And we have an opportunity to know him and, and to, to meet him and to be filled with joy because of him. Paul is trying to give Felix an opportunity himself to meet Jesus right there. But Felix, as we read on, misses the opportunity completely. He misses it. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen. He is alive. By his spirit, he is here. And when I say he is here, he is here, yes, with us. He's here, there, with you. By his spirit, he is alive. And he wants you to meet him afresh this morning. I mean, maybe you've been living your life and you've never met Jesus. You haven't come to know Jesus. He's inviting you right now to know him, to meet him, because he's alive. Maybe you've known Jesus for a little while or for many years. That doesn't change the fact that every moment of your life, including right now, is an opportunity to meet him, to experience afresh his presence and his love for you and his faithfulness. Will you take that opportunity or will you miss it? And what I want to do this morning is, is look at how Felix misses the opportunity to meet Jesus. And, and because Felix misses it for a few different, few different reasons, and I think we share those reasons with him a lot of the time. And we miss meeting Jesus and seeing Jesus and, and, and knowing Jesus better. So what are the reasons that, that he misses the opportunity to meet the one who will satisfy him and make him whole? Well, the first problem is this attitude of his that says, I already know. I already know. There's this arrogant pride, I think, that's evident in Felix as you read this. And you see in verse 22, it's subtle, I think, but uh, after he hears Paul's defense, it says that Felix, having a, a rather accurate knowledge of the way, when it talks about the way here, another time it talks about the way is back in chapter 9 when Paul is, is getting permission to hunt down people who believe in Jesus, and he refers to them as the way. This is, this is a phrase that's used to describe the early church. And so it says he, he has a rather accurate knowledge of the way, and because of that, he put them off. Felix seemed to, to kind of know what he knew. He, he knew what he knew about, about these Christians, about the way, about what they thought they believed about the resurrection. He thought he had all the answers. He didn't really think he needed to learn anything from Paul, and so he put them off. It's as simple as that. Felix was basically, I already, I already know what there is to know about this whole situation, and I don't really need to hear anymore. I don't need to be... I, it, it reflects a, a heart that is closed to anything new, to any new information, to the possibility that he could learn something from Paul. And I think this is a danger for every single one of us. Such a danger for every single one of us. We all have this tendency to be confident in the, the, the thought that we know what we know. We're so proud and reluctant to, to admit that, that anybody could teach us something new. Uh, we, we're, we're not eager to, to learn from others. We actually are, are really quick often to get defensive when somebody wants to, to inform, up, inform us of something or, or tell us, in, in, imply that we don't know everything. Uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, I came in on Sunday morning, and, and Art told me something. 
that I already knew, something that had been done or something like that. I don't even remember what it, what it was. But I sarcastically like, responded to him, and, and I just kind of like, like jabbed at him, being like, how dare you imply that I don't already know this? You know, you're, you're, you're trying to insult my intelligence. You're trying to insult my sense of worth here by implying that I don't know everything. And he was just trying to be helpful. But that's how I think a lot of us are. You know, we, we, we are so quick to defend ourselves and to cling to what we think we know, to think we have it all figured out, to think we have all the answers. And we're reluctant to, 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 to be open to learning anything, to letting others teach us. I see this everywhere I look right now. I mean, I see this in, in the way, you know, even as you look on social media, the way that people talk about um, the, the different views about how we're going to reopen the country, you know, and what is safe and what isn't. Everybody kind of has their opinion and they know what they know. You know, you look at politics, which is also very connected to that, right? You have people from, from all different sides, you know, certain that they know what they know, not eager or interested in learning anything from anybody else. I think you really see this, for sure, in the, the, the racial tensions in our country right now. As you see something like happened this past week and the week before that, tragedies in and of themselves, but the things that, that represent the fact that real racial injustice exists here. And for a lot of us white people, we are pretty much convinced that we have an accurate knowledge of everything, that, you know, that, that people are making a big deal about it, uh, or more of a deal than they should be, or whatever. And we're convinced we know, you know how we should respond. But, but I mean, I, I, we're, we're all slow to, to, be, to, to be open to listening and learning from another person about how we might need to change. We are so slow to listen and quick to think we know and have it all figured out that we have an accurate knowledge of everything. Now, I'm slightly going off on a little tangent, but I think all of these things reflect the fact that, that we are all arrogant and proud in what we think we know. And that attitude doesn't do well uh, when we have an opportunity to meet Jesus. Because guess what? When you meet Jesus, he only, always, has something to teach us. <laughs> If we live our lives with an attitude of, I, I think I have it all figured out, I think I know what I know, then how am I going to learn it? How am I going to meet Jesus when he wants to constantly be teaching me stuff? He wants to constantly be teaching me of what I don't know and how I need to change. And, and I think I, I need to work at, at moving my heart from, from this attitude that says, I already know, to an attitude that says, what can I learn? What can, I, what can, what can, I, what, what can you teach me, Jesus? right now. And if I can move towards an attitude that says, what can you teach me, Jesus? I'm, I'm in a much better position to meet Jesus right now. Felix also seems to be an expert at the concept. It can wait until later. It can wait until later. Verse 22 says he puts them off. He puts Paul off, right? But then he has uh, his wife, Drusilla, comes with him, and they hear Paul together. And then Paul shares about faith in Christ, and then he says some tough things to Felix and his wife. He talks about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. You see, 
what, what we don't realize when you're just reading this, what you, what you learn from other, some other historians, is that Felix and Drusilla really aren't the greatest of people. Um, this is actually their, uh, th- not their first marriage, either of them, and uh, the way they've come to be married to each other is, is not under the greatest of circumstances, and, and uh, Felix doesn't have the greatest reputation as a governor. And so I imagine that the things that Paul are saying to them are challenging and convicting. And, I mean, you can see that in the way that Felix responds, right? In verse 25, it says, Felix was alarmed. Felix was alarmed. He, he starts to, you know, get upset. And so what does he do? Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll summon you. Let's, let's not deal with what you're talking to me about now. This is too uncomfortable. This is too painful. This is, let's, let's talk about it some other time. Let's, let's, let's not deal with it in the present. I'll summon you when I'm ready to talk about it some more. And it seems like he does this for two years. He continually just like, continues to hear Paul, but then puts off making any decisions about how he's going to respond to what Paul's saying. He's just a, an expert at procrastinating. And I, 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 I got to be careful about being too judgmental of Felix because I am probably one of the world's most uh, greatest experts at procrastinating myself. When something's hard, when something is uncomfortable, it's the, the easiest thing in the world to do is, is, is to be like, oh, it can wait till this afternoon or it can wait till tomorrow or, or do we really have to deal with that ne- this week? We, we can deal with it next week. You know, I don't know how many times I've, I've picked up my phone to make a phone call that's going to be awkward or un- uncomfortable or I, I don't really know what I'm going to say or what I should say. And so I pick up my phone and then I'm like, I put it down and I'm like, oh, there's something else I need to do that's unimportant, but I can do it right now. Or I start to dial the phone, but I don't finish. You ever do that? And you hang up and you're like, well, maybe I need to rethink this. It can wait till later. I mean, that happens to me more often than I can care to admit, really. I'm an expert at procrastinating because I, I, when something is hard and uncomfortable, I don't want to deal with it now. I want to deal with it at any, any other time in the future but right now. But see, it's often the hard, uncomfortable things in life where we actually have the opportunity to meet Jesus. I mean, for Felix, if he would have really listened to what Paul was saying and in his alarm actually thought about repenting of his sin. As Paul talks about the, the judgment and self-control. If, if, he would have, if he would have, you know, taken time to actually deal with it right then, he actually would have experienced what? The mercy of Jesus. The forgiveness and grace of Jesus right then. But instead he puts it off. It's often in in the midst of uncomfortable, difficult things that we have the opportunity to meet Jesus, to find out that he is faithful, to find out that he is powerful enough to work through us or to work in us or to change us. The time to consider what Jesus wants to do in our lives is now. And that's really what I want to really emphasize here. Maybe, Maybe you've been living a lot of your life, and, and you've never really made a decision about what you believe, about the resurrection and who Jesus is and the fact that, that, that we claim, Christians claim that Jesus is alive and that he is the one you must trust 
the time to make up your mind about whether you're going to trust him or not is now. Now. Not later today, not tomorrow. The time to figure out the answers to your questions are now. If you wait, you're going to miss your opportunity. The last reason he misses a chance to meet and know Jesus is because he's consumed with himself. He's consumed with, with, with what he wants and what, what he can get out of the situation, right? He's, he's constantly thinking about the question, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? He seems to, to treat Paul well, right? In verse 23, he gives orders to the centurion to keep him in custody, but to give him some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs, right? He treats Paul really well and he continues listening to Paul. Paul can, comes over the course of two years and, and keeps coming and, and talking to him. Verse 26, it says he sent for him often and conversed with him. But why did he do that? In verse 26, it says he hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. He was hoping the whole time that Paul might just slip him some coins, that might, Paul might try to bribe him to get out of confinement. He was hoping to get a little bit more comfortable because of the situation. But then on top of that, he, he wasn't just trying to, to line his pockets a little more. At the very end of the passage in verse 27, after two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, and it says, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, what did Felix do? He left Paul in prison. He left Paul in prison in order to, to, to bolster his reputation with the Jewish people so that the Jewish people would think well of him. He was concerned about lining his pockets. He was concerned about uh, what people thought of him, about his reputation, about wanting people to like him. He was using this whole situation. Instead of, instead of hearing what Paul was saying and, and engaging with the truth of the resurrected Jesus, he was just thinking about, what can I get out of this? What, what, you know, what do I want? What do I want? What can I get? I think we can miss the opportunity to know Jesus right now because we ourselves are preoccupied with what we want, with what we think is going to make us happy, what we think is going to give us comfort, Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's how people like us, more, well, how people will feel about us. But it's a list of things that we look to to think that, that, that these things are going to satisfy me, me, me and make me happy. And we're consumed with those things. We're preoccupied with those, with those things. And because we're so preoccupied with those things, we miss the opportunity to meet, that, meet Jesus in the present. The one who has the, the ability to satisfy our hearts unlike any of these other things. One just obvious example for us right now, you know, we're all of us, all of us, as we deal with, with our lives being confined and limited, as we're all having to stay home and we can't go to the things that we want to go to and do the things we want to do, all of us, without exception, can't wait, right, until everything opens up again, until we can do the things we once were able to do, because when we're able to get back to life like it used to be, then life's going to be good. Then everything's going to be okay. Then it's going to be so much better. Then we'll be able to meet Jesus. But the reality is that Jesus isn't going to be any more satisfying then than he is right now while we're stuck in our homes. You know, he's, he's not going to be any more satisfying when we can go out to, to dinner at the Cheesecake Factory than he is right now. Here's the thing, we, we, we're so preoccupied with, with wanting our lives to, to be the way we want them to be that we miss out on the fact that Jesus wants to minister to us now. He wants to meet us now. He wants to love us now. 
and show us that he's enough. And so we can miss the presence of Jesus, the very real presence of Jesus, because we're, we're so focused on what we wish we had or want. So Felix misses out because he's a proud know-it-all, because he's a procrastinator, and because he's preoccupied, preoccupied with his wants. He has this opportunity to respond to the message of the living Jesus that Paul shares with him. But what he doesn't realize is that whether he responds or not to this message, that it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is really present throughout this whole process. Jesus is there. Do you realize this? It's not just Paul informing Felix that Jesus is alive. Jesus is present, working through this whole situation. Remember what I said at the beginning about how Jesus made this promise to Paul back in the last chapter where he said, Paul, take courage. You're not just going to testify about me in Jerusalem, but you're going to testify about me in Rome. And, and this whole process of, of Felix procrastinating and not listening to Paul, keeping him in prison this whole time, is just all part of the process of, of Jesus moving Paul to the place where, where he's going to be passed along to another person and, and then passed along to Rome. Felix is unwittingly being used by Jesus right now to get Paul eventually to where he wants him to be, to accomplish the work that he wants to accomplish, to display his glory in the world. That's the thing. The story of all of history is Jesus always present and people being either witting or unwitting accomplices and participants accomplishing exactly what is planned by coming, what he planned by coming into our world. You see it most gloriously at the cross where Jesus is, is, is hung up, is nailed to the cross. And there are some people who have, who have received what he is doing for them and are experiencing his love and, and, and reconciliation with God because that is why Jesus came, to die for our sins, to pay for our sins so that we could know God and be reconciled to him and walk with him. And there are people who kill him, who make fun of him, and walk right past. And yet he is there, accomplishing the glorious work of God to reconcile sinners to himself. Some saw it and experienced life. Others unwittingly killed him and went on. And that is the question for us now, today. Will you take this moment as an opportunity to say, Jesus, what do you want to show me about yourself? How do you want to show me that you are enough? That you can satisfy my heart? That you are here? And that it's in you alone that I will really have peace and joy that will satisfy me and will never end? Don't miss this opportunity right now because he's risen and he's alive. Let's pray, let's, let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this passage, this reminder of the fact that you want us to meet the one who has come to save us and deliver us from all that is wrong all that is wrong in our own hearts and in this world, Father, we pray that you would work in us to, to help us to see you clearly right now, 
to know you and to trust you to be set free by you, to be used by you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.